I think I was quite freaked out when they were babies about the extent to which my freedom and my life was being curtailed, mm-hmm. even though I'd chosen it. And all of a sudden I just burst into tears. Yeah. Because I realised that we'd finally made it. It's such a relief. <laughs> it is. That's exactly, that's the perfect word really, isn't it? Yeah. It's, it's a relief. Welcome to Mother Other, a podcast exploring the space between motherhood and our desire for personal development and fulfillment. I am your host, Amy Pearson. This podcast is produced on the lands of the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation, and I wish to acknowledge them as the traditional owners. I would also like to pay my respects to their elders past, present and emerging. Welcome back. How are you? It has been a while and a lot has happened since we last released an episode. I'm so pleased to be back. I'm so pleased to be having these conversations again. It's truly like therapy for me having these discussions with so many women who are on the same wavelength, have been through such similar experiences and sometimes completely different experiences, but we seem to always meet somewhere along the same wavelength and see eye to eye and it's such a rare and incredible place to be having these sort of raw and vulnerable conversations with women. So I'm really thankful to everybody who has been on the show and who wants to come on the show and have these discussions with me so that I can share them with the world. Happy Mother's Day. It is Mother's Day today. We are releasing this on Sunday, which is Mother's Day. I'm recording this a few days earlier, but I really want to say happy Mother's Day to everybody who is listening, who is a mother in any way, shape or form that they perceive themselves to be. I take my hat off to everybody who is experiencing COVID-19 with children, especially single parents. Everybody's doing it tough right now, every single person out there, but I just wanted to have a special mention here for parents because I know a lot of people personally who are having a really hard time, really, really hard time. And I think they deserve to be recognized and to be praised by somebody and that somebody is going to be me today. So good on you if you are surviving this thing, if you are getting food on the table and if you are getting through the day without you know, having a breakdown. You know what? If you're having a breakdown, that's okay too, because we need to do these things. It's healthy. So today's episode. In today's episode, I am talking with Loretta Bolotton, who is a Melbourne-based entrepreneur and a mother to two babies who are no longer babies. Loretta is the co-founder and CEO of Free to Feed, which is a not-for-profit social enterprise championing the unique skills of refugees people seeking asylum and new migrants. We recorded it on the precipice of what has become a worldwide lockdown. Um, Loretta and I delve into the all-consuming haze of motherhood and how we often forget just how immensely strenuous the early days can be, even sometimes the second time around. Loretta was actually in the mountains at the time visiting family and the internet wasn't amazing. So it's still a great conversation. There's just a few glitches in there somewhere. Loretta discusses passing the parenting load on to her partner throughout some of the early stages of parenting, which is a really interesting topic to discuss because 
it's not that common um, to have a partner who is willing to take on a lot of that role. So I really loved hearing about that. And I'm sure there are some people out there who can relate to that experience. Uh, Loretta talks about social justice, creating good, supporting the vulnerable, and how parenthood amplified all of those things for her. Without further ado, I will jump right into it. Thank you so much for being here. So I'm a mother to Hohen, who is, God, how old is he? That's not a good way to lead in. (laughs) (laughs) He's um, five. Um, He's a practice. Um, And to Sol. And Sol is, he's going to be two in a few months. Adorable. So they're both boys? Yeah, two little boys. Very sweet. I feel like we can't start the conversation without confronting the elephant in the room, which is the current state of the world. Um, Mm. So I've never really interviewed anyone with this kind of thing going on. Like it wasn't expected at all. It happened, what, a week, two weeks ago. It kind of hit hard. So how are you actually doing amidst what's going on in the world? Yeah. Yeah. Um, You know, it depends. It depends on what on what on what level you ask. I think, yeah. like as a person, as someone, um, as a human, as someone that's part of humanity that you know is overwhelmed by empathy for vulnerable people. Mm. Ordinarily, um, I feel, yeah, I feel, I'm feeling for for, for humanity. I'm feeling mm. a lot of, um, yeah, overwhelming feelings, and it's a sense also of how outside of our control this this situation is in, in many ways, even though there are small actions that we can take to, um, you know, limit limit our own, um, our own involvement and spread and community transmission, but it's just something invisible and awful. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's hurting me as someone that's, you know, very empathetic and connected with, with humans. Yeah. Um, and, and I guess... It's 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 also particularly challenging for me, in that you know my my work and my life is about um, supporting people who are um, incredibly isolated and um, very vulnerable and lack basic resources ordinarily. So again, just kind of seeing people who are really struggling struggle even more and just become further isolated. So yeah, yeah I guess I'm just I'm just feeling that. Um, yeah. But as you know, as a mother, I don't know your situation, but as a mother and as someone who still has some, you know, some stability at work and is able to be safe and with family, I feel so lucky and fortunate. So I'm not directly impacted in that in that way. Mm. My health is good. Um, I feel so lucky. Yeah. So let's circle back to the motherhood stuff. Um, did you imagine yourself becoming a mother before you decided that you would be one or ended up becoming one? Yeah, that's a really um, interesting question. I I um, actually had my son Cohen really young. So I was, well, I guess young in today's, today's times. Yeah. Um, I was 24 when he, yeah, right. when he was born. Yeah. So I've always really loved, loved kids. Um, and um, I guess, you know, you, I, I always saw myself as becoming becoming a mum and even maybe even a young mum. Mm. Um, yeah, really, really passionate about about children. I just think they're so incredible and always felt quite maternal. So um yeah, so I felt quite comfortable did. leaning into that. Yeah. yeah How about yeah, you? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Am I allowed to ask questions? <laughs> I don't normally get questions, but yeah, I'm the same. I always <laughs> did want I always did imagine having kids someday. So it wasn't such a big 
surprise for me. But it's interesting because a lot of people do say um, in these conversations that they never wanted kids or they weren't interested and then they sort of changed as it became a possibility for them or it became a reality for them. So it's it's interesting seeing I've the different. Yeah, I've heard that. I've heard that quite a bit. Um, mm. Both my partner and I are just um, really child-centered people. Yeah. You know, he's worked in childcare and been a teacher and a tutor. And um, we actually met um, in in East Africa working. Oh, wow. So we were staying and um working and volunteering at the time in a primary school. Mm. So it's quite interesting. Um, yeah, I, I think we were both just really drawn to kids and community and that and that feeling of, of you know, family and connection through children. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it just really felt like it was something that was going to happen quite quickly and um, was always something we discussed really openly from 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 like the moment that we met. That's really nice. So tell me about the journey to actually starting the family together. Yeah. Um, so um, it all, it wasn't necessarily um, a planned thing. I feel so fortunate to be able to say that because I know for so many women and families that's um, not yeah. their trajectory. So, um, yeah, I say that humbly. Um, we... Um, we had a big wedding celebration actually out here in the Blue Mountains where I am today um, and accidentally fell pregnant. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it was something we were um, interested in doing at some point anyway but weren't um, weren't necessarily planning. So it all just, um, you know, kind of happened to us. Yeah. Um, it wasn't the best situation because I was actually living in Cairo in Egypt at the time and had sort of come doing humanitarian work and had come back just for the wedding some stuff and then was going back overseas but um once I had found out that I was pregnant I think um really quickly I started to appreciate the clean safe you know clean air and Mm. the safety um safety of Australia and I started to think about the um hardcore humanitarian work that I was doing just instinctively just started to not feel like the right thing it just felt like I was already you know becoming protective and you know becoming a mother from the yeah, moment um, that transition you know, yeah it happened I think quite quickly um in having to make um decisions for the well-being of this you know conceptual yeah. being inside me yeah isn't it funny how that happens immediately when you get pregnant so many women I speak to say the same thing like all of a sudden they want to move somewhere safer or back to family or they want to bunker down somewhere yeah that's really yeah. interesting. Well, equally, I guess some people also feel the the strangeness and the alienation of pregnancy. Like I can identify with that as well, yeah. just it being so um, conceptual and, mm. um, you, you know, like um, but I, I, I was really, really fortunate to, to I guess some of those instincts kicked in quite, quite quickly. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, totally. Tell me about your background in human rights before becoming pregnant. Yeah, so um, I've, yeah, I guess before becoming pregnant, um, I did some uni stuff. <laughs> so um, I studied international development and international security. And then um, I went um, and started working quite quickly, actually, really, really luckily. Um, I started working in the humanitarian sector and the community development sector. So I worked. Um, with the Australian Red Cross. Um, I also um, had the privilege of um, 
spending some time within the detention centre system within Australia, so um, with people seeking asylum um, and sort of, you know, being a, a focal point or a support support for them. Mm. Um, and I did some, did some work over in, um, in Egypt um, as well um, before before uh, falling, falling pregnant. Yeah. Yeah. So I, mean, I guess I feel, I feel quite lucky in that, um, you know, it, 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 when you, when you, when you have a family, there is so many, um, so much compromise, but I was able to have just a little bit of a platform or a base of, you know, sort of doing the work I wanted to do beforehand that it didn't feel like, um, it felt like I could come back to that quite, quite quickly. Yeah, Whereas yeah. I could, you know, a lot of people, a lot of women, I guess, particularly nowadays, I don't know if you hear this in your conversations, but might um, choose to have kids later on because they feel like they need to sort of establish themselves somewhere along in their career. So, yeah, yeah. so I I feel like um, I was able to do that um, a little bit before. So I felt felt okay about um, leaning a little bit further into the the parenting thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that means that your first baby was actually your baby and not free to feed. I was wondering <laughs> which one came first. <laughs> yeah, yeah. My first baby, so Cohen, um, yeah, was my first my first um, human, um, <laughs> human baby. And, um, yeah, he, he's delightful. And I think I learned so much from him that um, I've been able to apply in other areas, in yeah. business, in relationships, in they teach us so much. So much. And so tell me about when the business was built, were you pregnant? Was Cohen a little baby? What what was the sort of plan um, there? Yeah, so um, we, we, we uh, Daniel and I, so my partner Dan and I, um, we're probably, we're, we're explorers, right? So <laughs> we don't tend to stay still um, and, and try to approach things really creatively. So once... Um, once Cohen was born and he had turned six months, we decided to head off actually to Europe. Um, and, um, I wanted to, to, to go back into work. Mm. Um, and Dan was able to, you know, lean into really supporting me to do that and supporting, um, you know, breastfeeding to continue and, um, you know, really stepping up as the sort of primary caregiver for Cohen. Um, so yeah, so we actually moved, moved to Europe and I was doing like some work there, um, in, in, in the Hague, um, for a little, um, human rights organization. Um, and Dan would actually, um, ferry, ferry milk, um, on his little cycle on his bike with Owen, this little, little, with his little helmet on in the, in the front of the bike and, um, come to pick up my, yeah, my warm, freshly pumped breast milk. Oh, that's so sweet. Um, yeah, it was really sweet. Um, it was exhausting, though. I'm mm, sure anyone. God, I can imagine. <laughs> exhausting, yeah. especially when um, you know the absence during the day was made up for in yeah. you know sort of really long nighttime feeds and all mm. that sort of stuff. So yeah. yeah, so that was sort of happening in the background, and um, unfortunately for me, the compromise was not right. Like the compromise of being away. Or fortunately or unfortunately, I probably fortunately, um, being away from uh, Cohen was a massive sacrifice. Mm. You know, I missed him, missed him like hell. Um, but the work stuff wasn't right. It was really a bad working environment, and um, I had no flexibility and would pump milk on the toilet and oh. um, would need to do that in my lunch break. So there was no, you know, no um, extra 
support or anything given to me yeah. as a like, quite a young, like, you know, a young and confused mum. Yeah, trying to go mum, yeah. It's hard work. Really hard. Mm. So um, that didn't quite work out, but that, so that, um, that situation actually motivated us to look at what can we, how can we do meaningful work, but be in control of yeah. our So we're not compromising and so that I can breastfeed when I need to and have flexible working hours and all those things that make parenting and working at the same time enjoyable. Otherwise it's just a, you know, a battle that you feel like you're yeah. just giving so much to and not receiving. Isn't it interesting how those hard times, like even this, what we're going through right now globally it is sort of imperative for things to move forward and progress as much as it's really horrible at the time, like that experience for you, it made. Yeah, we probably don't know. Yeah, it's hard to connect the dots forward, right? So we probably don't know what are all of the key wisdoms and learnings that will come out of. Yeah, um, yeah. totally. And so that's amazing. And so that sort of made Free to Feed blossom in your mind. Yeah, so um, uh, my partner Danny is really um, very creative, and um, he doesn't he he wasn't able to see any of the barriers of um, you know that others might you know when you're sort of thinking about an idea or going out on your own, it can be really scary, and you can think about all the ways that it won't work. Mm. Um, well, I know I, um, yeah. but Dan just doesn't see that is very positive, um, very optimistic, very constructive. Mm. And so I guess together it was that nice balance of using my my work experience, my humanitarian work experience and, and um, with, with refugees and people seeking asylum and his um, can-do attitude mm. yeah. um, to sort of come together and come up with this this concept of, um, of free to feed, which we then, you know, several months later we moved back to Melbourne to, to come back home and to see if we could if we could launch um, launch it here. Mm. When you were talking about working in that sort of difficult environment when you first had a baby and before you became pregnant, you were sort of living in Egypt, is that right? And then you were <laughs> married in Australia and then you ended up moving to Europe. So throughout that trajectory, did you sort of have any fears about your career or um, business aspirations being crushed by becoming a mother was that something that worried you at all hmm. um I felt a little worried when I was pregnant because you know I was sort of between things and trying yeah. to get that that next gig wasn't possible um mm. and as much as as much as people you know would never um you know employers would never um tell you you didn't get the job because you were pregnant yeah. it, you know it's quite obvious I was you know the pregnant person in the interviews and yeah. things like that so there was a period of time where I did have um, a little bit of anxiety um, about, you know, just kind of trying to maintain that dual identity of wanting to be um, the, doing the things that I believe in and I'm passionate about at work, but also not wanting to compromise on trying to like really, you know, give this motherhood thing a, a real you know, red go and give it yeah. the best chance of building strong foundations. So, yeah, there, yeah definitely um, some some anxieties about and just kind of the timing thing I don't know um I actually don't have a lot of friends who have kids so I'm not sure mm. if it's normal kind of trying to um work out at what point to return back to work and oh, how yeah. to you know, take all that work and I decided actually 
um, that I would go back at, at six six months, which is probably quite early. Yeah. Um, but that right time before I started to, you know, it sort of helped me to not have to have a lot of fear and worry about um, the career stuff because I knew at about six months I might I might try to just dip my toe in a little bit and see if it works. Yeah, it's interesting that timing thing um, for me because I'm a freelance photographer. I went back quite early at about three months, um, which Mm. was hard, but also it's only short periods of time out of the house. So it was kind of nice to slowly work my way back into it. Um, But now I'm coming up to the one year mark um, after having a baby. And so a lot of the mothers that I'm friends with have all been sort of trying to get back into the um, career force and then this happens. So it's going to be interesting to see what that means for people this year that are sort of getting back into the workforce yeah. because everyone's in this really strange spot, you know. Totally. And even the people that are in the workforce, yeah, you know, how difficult. I, I had, you know, my son's school finished up on, on Tuesday earlier than expected and we're not 100% sure if, if it goes back and if yeah. it does go back, is it right to send him? And, you know, then there's these other questions that come up, um, as a parent during this really uncertain time. And mm. um, that's really, that's quite confusing. Yeah. But then also thinking about the implications of that, that really only means that only one parent can be working at a time if we yeah. are homeschooling or, um, yeah, so that I could imagine that could be really challenging for so, so many parents that the stress and pressures it's already really hard to have a job and to pick up your kid from school and get food on the table. And yeah. so then to add, you know, a, a, a massive, ginormous health crisis on top of that. Mm. Um, I guess we just have to s- sort of not try to do what we were doing before and, you know, yeah. sort of surrender a little bit because, yeah, you know, if you try to make it not really business as usual. So yeah, for sure. I'm still trying to work, work it out. Yeah, I think we all are. And that's why it's so interesting having this conversation right now, because it's, it's all of a sudden, there's a line between then and now. And we're sort of in the gray area of the before the future of the yeah. new world. And so yeah, it's going to be interesting to look back on these conversations at this time and process it all. Talking about motherhood for you again and how that impacted your identity and the way you saw the world around you. Mm-hmm. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, that's a really good question. I don't, I think it probably amplifies things that are already inside me and that have already been so in particular I think just really thinking about my place in the world in humanity my um, contribution what can I do to to um, I guess leave this place Mm. a little bit better than how I found it so that's something that's a thing that I've always had and that you know sentiment that means a lot to me in terms of um, trying to be um you know, creating creating some kind of good or, or supporting those that are more vulnerable. Um, and I think parenting really amplified that because it really, it makes time such, so, so precious. Time is so finite and so precious. And, um, and I guess I really want to be spending all time that I'm not with my kids in a really meaningful way. Mm-hmm. And really just like, you know, leading by example, just one of yeah. those old fashioned principles by, you know, putting trying to yeah trying to shape this this place and to be a, a little a little bit better yeah um 
people who were really doing it tough. So that's something, that sense of, I guess, social justice that I've had forever, um, even as a kid myself, is probably something that's really amplified. And then being able to, now that my son is five, sharing that with him and kind of see what he's curious about um, Mm. and and have that dialogue. And, and, you know, it it seems, I don't know if, um, if this is the case with most children, but he just seems to just really just... Um, have this strong concept of um, being uh, a good person, yeah. a good person to the planet, a good person for other people, um, and just doing his bit and having it. He's got such a, a strong concept of responsibility for the earth. Yeah. So I guess that's a really nice connection and just something that. So pure. Yeah, it's really pure. Hello there. I hope you're enjoying the podcast. I'm interrupting you to bring you our first ever ad. Do you need a new website? Nikki from Seedling Digital builds beautiful brands with meaning, custom WordPress websites and strategic marketing plans for small and medium-sized businesses who are ready to make big growth. She describes her work as a minimalist blend of creative and professional and has a passion for working with women-led businesses. I recently hired Nikki to build a custom WordPress website for Mother Other. With a background in design myself, I had high expectation and a pretty particular vision in mind. Nikki made the process really easy for me and saved me so much time, including building in review software for the podcast and thinking through ways to build income through the website. She enabled me through education and training at Handover and was open to changes to nail my vision. I am so impressed with the overall design. For all of your custom branding and website building needs, get in touch with Nikki at seedlingdigital.com.au. Now, back to the podcast. Mm, I guess the other the other thing that comes out of parenting that's positive for me is just really embracing um, kids. Kids are really curious. Both of my kids are just so curious. Mm. <laughs> Cohen has been involved since day one because free to feed was born out of my lounge room and mm-hmm. you know local cafes and stuff so um you know he's an expert at stacking all of the cans of chickpeas <laughs> um and has he's been in the kitchens and um so we work with people seeking asylum and refugees and um he knows um less so now because he's at school but he used to know everyone's name what country they were from a little bit about their food yeah, so he had, um, you know, favourite, even like a favourite dal, like mm-hmm. knowing, you know, there's a few people from Sri Lanka and Malaysia, so he would always know what his favourite, um, who made his the best dal. <laughs> yeah, he's always been involved and I think he feels um, kind of proud, like it's he's really a part of it. Yeah. And he knows, you know, he's known since he could talk how to describe, you know, what a refugee is and, and mm. what they've been through. You know, he talks about them, there being war and it being unsafe in their country and that's why they come to our country in Australia. And um, so he's very much a part of what we do. Yeah. Sol has absolutely no idea. He just gobbles any of the leftover food that we bring home. <laughs> Um, and we've just tried to keep, I've tried to keep Cohen involved, um, wherever possible. So his lovely, his lovely kinder in Thornbury, um, hosted a little free to feed workshop where, um, uh, Nourishan from Sri Lanka came in and worked with all the kindy kids to make samosas. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah. Which is really lovely. Um, and we're actually supposed to do a harmony day, um, workshop with all the preps at Northgate primary so that was going to be amazing Mm. but 
uh, due to, you know, coronavirus, COVID-19 stuff, they had to sort of postpone and that's, yeah, everything's kind of changed a little bit since then. Yeah, it has, hasn't it? So in saying that you sort of blend mum life with work life quite a lot? There have been times where I've tried to have really neat mum life, work life, but I think because Free to Feed is our social enterprise, we founded it, um, blurriness is, it's inevitable and almost it's easier to sit within the blurriness um, than it is to try to have so much structure, which just doesn't work when um, when it's your own your own thing and you yeah. have to sort of be available. But I, 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 having said that, I, I'm quite good at decompartmentalising. So like if my partner Dan was at work, say on a weekend, and I was home with the kids, like I don't think about it. I'm just fully there for them mm. um, and almost just plug into a different, you know, mum brain and just ignore everything else, all the other noise that's happening. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. And so how did you go back to work? when you had your second baby and you were running the business, how did that work for you? Yeah. When I had soul, um, uh, I think I, I think I should have probably, um, set a date in which I sort of just tuned out of work and just prepared more for, for labor and, um, for having him and bringing him into the world. But I didn't do that as well as I should have. Quite quickly after I had him, I um, was doing a little bit of work, um, but he was just so little. So he was really just coming in the, you know, in the little carrier and just kind of cruising. And I think I think it was okay for both of us. But I also think it's okay to not put yourself under so much pressure. And I did put myself under a lot of pressure, even if it's just the sheer fatigue. If you're waking up and breastfeeding, you know, around the clock, it's just so, so tiring to have another set of obligations and responsibilities in your head. Absolutely. Yeah. No. <laughs> um, so I think um, I probably didn't give myself enough time. I may have just been like, oh, yeah, second kid, I've got this. Mm. Um, but every baby is unique and, you know, um, yeah, I should have given myself more time to rest. It was pretty challenging. And yeah. um his, his sleep has taken, you know, like like most parents complain about, it's taken a good 18 months to get him to sleep. You know, we were co-sleeping and all of that was working really well, but then, you know, the dependency is so tricky. Yeah, I'm going through that right now. Okay. It's tough. It's really tough. <laughs> um, we've finally gotten him there. Like, you know, he slept last night through the night. Oh, and dreamy, uh, dreamy. His own, his own bed. Um but that's tough. It's really yeah. tough to have a lot of responsibility at work. I'm, yeah. yeah, I'm sure you know, and so many other mothers know, just even just like having a video call like this, if you're in early stages of parenting, mm. it suddenly becomes this thing that's on your mind that yeah. can't, doesn't allow you to just relax because you're anticipating it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm bad at putting things aside and not working. That's why I went back into work so soon as well. I sort of always have things on the go. It kind of keeps me stimulated. Like yeah. I enjoy it, but also the last year of my life having a new baby and continuing to work the way I do has been a huge lesson in surrendering and slowing down and yeah it's it's so what tricky would you, what would you do differently would you give yourself more time if I could do it all again I would definitely give myself more time and not push myself so quickly. I, I really pushed myself way too quickly. And I think now I'm at the point where I'm a, a lot slower than I was. And I sort of look at my weeks ahead and go, okay, there's too much on that week. I need to pull it. Yeah. But sometimes I don't do that. And I end up 
overdoing it. I um, photographed my first wedding back, I think at about six months. And I literally stopped every two hours to breastfeed. My partner had the baby nearby and it was just so much. So, so much. It's also taught me a lot. So I feel like, I don't know, maybe it's a lesson for next time or so that I can share it with other people. It's tricky to know when you're a first time mum, isn't it? No one really tells you what to expect or how hard it's going to be. And so how do you prioritize work and kids now? What does your daily sort of priority list look like? Yeah. Um, one thing that I do, um, so I work, um, I work flexibly, but having said that I do work quite full time. Mm. Um, but my full time, I guess just looks a little bit different. Um, I am, you know, do all the, all the morning stuff with kids and there and for brekkie and make sure I do, um, drop offs, um, and all that stuff. And then I try to finish up every day to be there to pick up um, Cohen from school at 3.30 or to um, be home at around 3.30, 4 o'clock because, I don't know, I my mum did that. So for some reason it just feels like the thing that yeah. I need to do. There's no right or wrong. Um, yeah. I just feel that about 3 o'clock the kids just really like they become quite um, demanding. It's like a period a little window between, you know, sort of three and bedtime where they just need so much. So it's, it's partly for them, but it's also partly for my partner because it's such a, it's a low, it's a really big load to have yeah. two little people and then the dinner and bedtime routine. So I try to really like be there for that. And then um, occasionally I might, um, you know, do some work on a Saturday or Sunday to sort of make up for, you know, the, the, the shorter days during the week or, jump on my laptop in the in the evening so but I try to balance that between you know if I'm really exhausted I I try not to not to get online at night because yeah you go to bed thinking about work and wake up and anticipate it It can become a bit relaxed yeah I'm trying to do that too I still sort of end up checking my emails all night on my phone and it just immediately puts you into stress zone and it's like no I need to switch off at a certain time and yeah fresh for the next day we do I think probably so many of us need to get better at having the right kind of rituals of of self-care in because being a parent a massive massive task and Mm. um we underestimate that and take a lot of other stuff into our lives so oh absolutely do you have any specific self-care routines that help you through the day well when yoga was something that we could do as a community Mm. Um, mm-hmm. I would go to, I would go to yoga and I've always actually quite, I've lent on yoga and yoga practice, um, through all times of challenge, um, yep. a lot through, through pregnancy. Um, I had a lot of, um, you know, sort of a lot of mental health stuff come up during my first pregnancy and, um, yoga saved me. Um, and, you know, even working in, um, in Cairo in Egypt, yoga was, um, the only kind of safe women's space so that's something that I did yeah okay so that's something that's really important for me however I it's something that I get from the collective being with people and doing something together so I haven't been able to work out in this new COVID-19 time what does that look like on my own at home when I'm not just booking in and going off to a class I don't know what the equivalent is I haven't quite worked it out so I'm probably in need of a little um, a little bit more self-care but then baths yeah. I have a lot of uh, I try to have a bath at least mm. you know three or four times a week actually 
Yeah, baths are the best. I love baths so much. Is that part of part of your looking after yourself as well? I try to, but um, my bath is right next to my baby's room where his cot is, and he's yeah, his first sleep of the night, um, which doesn't usually last very long, but. I try not to disturb him and so occasionally I'll have one but it's a big task to like keep really quiet and it's not as relaxing so I am my my son um listens to Enya when he's going to sleep so quite loud actually (laughs) (laughs) so it just kind of muffles out the sound outside of the room which allows for the taps to go on in the bath that's that's a great idea. Did you or do you now outsource chores or tasks or ask your community for help as a mother? Yeah. Oh, God, it's so important. Um, I, I don't know how I would do it because I don't think cleaning is being a mum, you know, like mm. it, it's part of it, but it's not, you can very much separate those things. It's not, doesn't have to be the same thing. Ordinarily, at the moment, it's all paused, but um, do have someone that comes in to help with cleaning because I'd rather spend that time more meaningfully um, with I have the luxury of being able to do that. I realize that's a privilege. And I do actually rely on free to feed and the women, um, so the refugee women that we work with to share food. You know, if I'm feeling really run down or the kids are unwell, often um, someone will, will make a soup or, or something like that just to help help out. And then, yeah. um, and, and my mom, I, I tried to, she tries to help out and give us some meals and, and things like that. It's probably the most that, um, that, that we do, but, you know, I think if I had the economic means, I would probably do more. Yeah. Yeah, totally. That's really nice that you have that community support and family around. If motherhood has taught you anything, what's the first thing that you sort of think of? You know, there's probably a zillion, a zillion things. I might, I might need a week to answer, but, um, (laughs) something that came, comes to mind, which I think relates to the current situation we're in now is something that I've found through both children and still now is that nothing is permanent. You know, everything is, it's always changing. Everything's evolving. Every behavior, every challenge, every bad night's sleep or, you know, hiccup, it just evolves. You know, I've seen my kids go through periods of aggression or awful sleeping or, you know, um, patterns that just don't feel like they're sustainable and they're not, they evolve, they change. So nothing is permanent. That sense of um, constant change and I guess that's something that we can draw on now in this time, like what we're going through is hopefully not not permanent and will um, evolve and change and will come out like so many of the things that we confront in, in, in parenting, I think. Yeah, totally. And what if you could give advice to our listeners about what's going on in the world right now? What, what would you recommend? Wow, that's a really big question. <laughs> <laughs> you know, just trying to, trying to um, feel at peace with some of the simple stuff that we have to do, kind of tuning, tuning back in, nurturing, you know, meals with your immediate family, meals just for yourself, taking care of yourself in the best way that you can and staying at home mm. so that we can get through this for ourselves, for our community, but also for, for our businesses to get back up and running, for our the most vulnerable community members to be able to go back to work. It all relies on all of us doing our bit. I agree with you 100%. And uh, what can we do to support Free to Feed right now? Yeah, so Free to Feed amazingly works with people who have, they, they know what it means to struggle and to be in challenge, in conflict, in 
um, in crisis. They actually have this wisdom. They have this wisdom in their food, in the way that they live. Um, so we're drawing upon that at Free to Feed and we've um, launched Brave Meals, home delivery of, um, of meals that you can share with your partner or with your family. Um, and each of those meals, you also get a message of, of, of hope, of bravery, of advice um, from, from the women and men that we work with that have been through situations that are similar to this. Um, so I guess if people are hungry, um, looking at brave meals, um, and I guess if this comes out into the world and coronavirus has slowed down, then just supporting us as a local social enterprise, we run cooking classes, we do shared feasts, and you know it's a way that you can you know be doing your bit and spending your money in a way that's um, making a you know a pretty profound impact on vulnerable people in our community. So mm. just get involved, follow us on socials and be present and be a part of our community. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to getting to some cooking classes once this is all over. Oh, totally, totally. Thank you so much for taking time out from your family to speak with me. It's been a pleasure. Thank you so much. Bye. Bye. And that's a wrap. As always, thank you endlessly for listening to today's conversation. I am so thankful to have you here joining me on this trajectory through mother and otherhood. If you love the show, please do go ahead and subscribe so that you don't miss an episode. And if you could spare a minute, rating or reviewing the podcast goes a long way to helping this show reach more ears and provide solidarity to other mothers out there who may need a little affirmation or even entertainment in their lives. See you next time.